So can I please have the pastors, the elders of Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes come on up here with me? Yes. And uh, we've got a quick video because as you see here, you see probably two new faces. I'll introduce them in one second. And you're probably seeing that Pastor Rob is missing, but he's in Hawaii. So I know, right? Come on, good place. So we got a video just because he so wanted to be here today. And he wants to share a little bit with you guys about the journey of this church plant. So check out this video. Hey everyone, I've got Pastor Rob with me, and he can't be here this Sunday because he's in Hawaii. Don't you want to be in Hawaii? I know I do, but uh, he just wants to share a little bit about our first year together as a church. Well, I miss you all, but I just wanted to share what an incredible God thing this has been. From the day we first met you, Daniel, to everything God's been doing, the people coming to the Lord, people getting baptized, people growing in their faith. Uh, the movement of the Spirit here has been just incredible. It's been yeah. such a blessing to be part of it. And for Janet and I, it's literally been a, a dream come true yeah. to do something like this. So, Well, you said that you wanted to start a winery when you were younger, uh, <laughs> but instead God had you start churches. I did. God had other plans. And so he, I've been able to be part of starting two churches, and uh, this has just been the most incredible one to be part of. Yeah. Really has been. Uh, one thing that Rob would always say, uh, his daughters would come to him and say, about like a toy in a toy shop. He said, I've always wanted one of these. And uh, yeah. So when I first saw what this could become at Calvary Chapel, I had that same thought. I, I told Daniel, I said, I've always wanted one of these. And, and I really have. This is like got the perfect balance of the word and the spirit. Uh, and it's, it's what I've always dreamed about in a church. And it's been great to work with you. And yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. such a joy doing ministry so, together. Yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to year two. So he gets to have fun in Hawaii. But we get to have fun today. Have a great yes. I'll see you next week. Excellent. Excellent. Well, come on, come on over this way, guys. So these are the pastors. These are the elders of Calvary Chapel, Palace Verdes. And uh, this is, these are the men who raised me up and sent me out. <sighs> Why? Okay, this is Pastor Tommy. Pastor Tommy is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara, and this is Pastor Brett, the associate pastor of Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara. And if you don't know, uh, Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara is the sending church. This is the, the church that sent us, my wife Leah and our two kids in May of 2020 to plant this church, and then we got to meet these guys. And we got to merge together with Life on the Hill Church and Pastor Ben and Pastor Ben Kai. This has been an incredible journey together, and uh, this is, uh, these are the faithful men of God that we get to lead this church together with. So uh, see them, love them, know them, and pray for them. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Love you guys. And I'm going to have Pastor Tommy stay here, and he's just going to share a little bit with you guys. And can you please try not to make me cry? Okay. I love you. You started it. <clears throat> Anyways, I'm you know here, he, so blessed to be here. You can't even imagine. Uh, uh, we when we f when we first met Pastor Daniel and Leah and we my wife and I and and uh, we just uh, we fell in love with what we knew God was going to do through them in very powerful ways. We believed it was going to be in Santa Barbara, and we watched that happen through Santa Barbara. But uh, when God began to open up 
in their heart and our heart to see a, a move in a church plant. Uh, we dreamed together, and we sought God together, and it was, it was powerful. And no way, no how did we think in the middle of COVID, right, in the middle of the greatest trial we've kind of seen as a nation, that we would launch somebody out in the middle of nowhere to start a church. But it was the Lord, right? And, and, and what was so fantastic is we got to come down here, Daniel and Leah and, and the Schallbergers and, and the Schneiders, and we came down to just dream in Palos Verdes. And my wife reminded me of this as we were um, driving up here this morning, going through these streets and praying, saying, oh, I wonder where the church will be. I wonder what God's going to do with Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes, right? And we dreamed, oh, we could have this little building or this tent or this thing or this place or looked at, at, at parks and all these type of things. And we came nowhere close to what God has done. Nowhere close. But we knew there was something so exciting that God was going to do. And so for Pastor Brett and I, from afar, as we've just loved Daniel and just believe it's just like you do, uh, we say, oh, Lord, put great godly men around him. But we, we had no idea it was going to be Rob and Ben Kim and Ben Kai. I mean, just truly mind-blowing. And when I think of them, I, I was uh, thinking of in, in uh, Thessalonians. Don't worry, I'm not preaching this morning. I'm just going uh, to like, give the pastor the microphone. Look out. Boom! It's going to happen. Um, what we saw in them were, were men that had a faithful, a, a work of faith, a labor of love, and patience of hope, just like Paul would say to the church in, in uh, Thessalonica. And we, we saw it in them. We, could, we, we just were overwhelmed with joy thinking about these pastors that God would put in Daniel's life and around Daniel that he would knit them in together with. And, uh, and then to watch what the Lord has done over this year uh, has been truly watching God's hand do something miraculous. It's not something that man has planned, not something that we have, you know, collaborated together. Ooh, this will be, this is how we should do it. No, it's been absolutely a hand of God. And so my encouragement to you as a fellowship today is that when you see God move, stand in the middle of it. Right, when you see him move, get right in the center of it, because we need that in this time, right? We need to be seeing God's spirit move in power through God's people to transform the world. And I believe with the leadership and the pastors that you have at this church, God is gonna do beyond. We even stood in this room. Remember we're standing in this room and thinking, wow, well, you could, maybe you could fill it up. <laughs> Shut up, I think it just got filled up. That's just awesome, It's just awesome. So do, do I get to pray? Okay. Thanks, Pastor. Um, and look, I didn't, I didn't cry. I cried all through worship. I'm like, baby, you have to pray for me that I don't cry when I get up there. So it's good. So I get to pray for you? Yes. Okay. Uh, Lord Jesus, <laughs> what a blessing to st stand right in this room with so many that love you and call upon your name and trust God in your spirit and your word. I'm thankful, God, for Pastor Daniel and the anointing you've put upon he and Leah and their kids and the pastors that stand alongside him and with him. What a, what a blessed team you've created. And we ask God an anointing over it this day as we celebrate what you have done, God. No man has done this, but rather the gospel by the power of the Spirit of God came upon and moved in here. And so we're trusting you for a continued work that way right here with this fellowship. Would you even fall upon us right now as we hear the reading of the word? And I pray that we'd be transformed by your presence. God, just committing it unto you, committing it unto you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <laughs> love Amen. You, love you so much. Awesome. Right there. You're good. I spit a little bit. Um, all right. Such a joy. 
We get to finish the fourth and final week of our vision series, and let me start by reading this verse that would describe the remarkable year that we have had as a church. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, that says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That verse needs an amen at the end of it because it is the truth, it is the promise of God that we have been living out as a church for now one year. On September 27th, 2020, we started right out there in that parking lot and God has been so faithful to fulfill this promise of the word that essentially says God wants to blow our minds with his power for generations to come. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And notice the way that God wants to give abundantly and the way that he wants to get glory is it says it is in the church and in Christ Jesus, meaning that the Lord of heaven and earth is looking at what we're doing today, church, and he's absolutely stoked about it. He loves to see this. He loves to see this sanctuary filled with people that are seeking him because God the Father loves to build the church of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he does that by giving the power of the Holy Spirit within us. See that? Father, Son, Holy Spirit all working together in the church, and this gives God glory. And that's what God's doing here among us. That's what he's been doing. That is why I'm here. And I hope that's why you're here, is to give glory to Christ in the church. And look, something I said at the very beginning of this church plant, right in a time when, as Pastor Tommy said, who would think about planting a church in the middle of COVID? I, I would often say, this is either the best time to plant a church or the worst time to plant a church. And God has proven the best, okay? But what it what we see is that when we entered into this season in 2020, there was a lot of people that were fearful or at least questioning what would become of the church in such a trying season in our world. And what I said at the start of this church is that we have to get this unbiblical notion out of our minds that the church is going to diminish or the church isn't gonna thrive or that even the church would go away, but that is not what we see in the scriptures about God's plan for his church. The Bible says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and that rather through the faithfulness of God's people, we will carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world, which is gonna put a full assault on sin, death, and the devil, and it's gonna bring glory to the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. And we know that in God's timing and in God's choosing, he will reunite his bride to himself. And, and we as a church want to be ready for Jesus to come, to receive his bride. But until that time comes, we as a church are to be about the work of expanding the kingdom of God by the power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. The church is supposed to be on mission for Jesus Christ in the world. And we do that, right? Very simply, you know how we do that. We do that as we testify to the person and the work of Jesus, 
We believe that he gave himself as a sacrifice on a cross for sinners and that he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead and he sealed our redemption for eternity. That's the message. That is the simple message that this thriving church is going to proclaim to a diminishing world. Let's get it right. The church will thrive as the world will diminish. So we're going to watch, church, as God fills this church with people coming out of the world and into the kingdom of his beloved son. And in order to do that, we need to be the most Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching, spirit-filled church. And that is what we are, and that's what we're going to continue to be. And so we've got one year down to do it, and we've got many years to come. Amen? Amen. That's what we are, church. Let's continue to be it. Let's continue to ask God to do it among us. And so over the last several weeks, we have seen the mission and the vision of our church. We have expressed our our vision statement in both mission and practice. And our practice is what we do. The mission is why we do it. And we've set our sights high because we serve the most high God. And we believe that if we're going to be a church that's going to make a difference in this world, we need to know Jesus. And we'll do that through teaching and preaching. We want to be known by Jesus, and we'll do that by worship and prayer. We want to be known by one another, and we'll do that through community and discipleship. And then lastly, we want to make Jesus known, and we'll do that through evangelism and missions. But something I want us to consider for a moment is how the first three parts of our vision, the first three mission statements, has to do with the church. See, these first three that we've talked about, you can expect to experience any time that we gather together as a body of believers. And that's wherever we gather, whether it's in parks with Mom Monday or in parking lots or in cafes or in homes or in this amazing building that we have right here in the heart of the peninsula. Wherever it is that we gather as the church, as believers who are called out according to the name of Jesus, we will do these things, but notice that the fourth mission statement has to do with the world. The first three have to do with the church, and the fourth has to do with the world and the church's role in the world. And we see this order this sort of model in the New Testament. We see that believers are to gather in to be equipped in order that they might scatter out into the world with the gospel. We gather to be filled up by the Lord, which equips us, and we scatter to be poured out in serving our world by bearing witness to the message of Jesus. And the mission of making Jesus known is really going to be best accomplished if we thrive in the first practices that we've covered. Because that's how we're going to be well equipped for evangelism and missions. Now, these last practices of the fourth part of our vision, the mission statement, is evangelism and missions. And this is what we say about making Jesus known. Listen to this. When we know Jesus and are known by Jesus, and are known by one another, we cannot help but to let everyone know about it. 
We want more people to experience the life-changing love that is in Jesus and his people. Right, and so ever since the time of the Gospels, we know that Jesus has been about gathering in his people. And the reason why Jesus gathers in his people, beginning in the Gospels and then into the book of Acts, is really just simply so that we might be with him. We have to just simply start there. Jesus gathers people in so that they can be with him. Let me tell you this, this is game-changing. Before God wants you to do anything for him, he just wants you to be with him. Think about that. Before God wants you to do anything for him, he just wants you to be with him. And we have to get that vertical relationship established first. We've seen that in our logo with the arrows going up and the arrows going down. We want to know Jesus and we want to be known by Jesus. We have to have that vertical relationship established before we can even think about being effective in the horizontal relationships of being known by one another and making Jesus known. We see this model, this order, this pattern in the Gospels. For instance, in Mark chapter 3 verse 14, Jesus said this about the first 12 followers of Jesus. It says, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. Again, that pattern, gathering and then scattering. And so, this is the way that Jesus ministered. Right? Often he would go and be alone with his heavenly father before he even thought about going out and ministering to others. And then Jesus with his own disciples said, come to me, rest a while, come be with me. And then he would equip them and teach them and then he would send them out to do the work of ministry. And then this is the pattern of the church, as we see it started in the book of Acts, that the believers gather together, they get filled, and they get equipped, and then they get sent out to reach the world. So simply put, believers are to gather for teaching, preaching, worship, prayer, community, and discipleship, and then we go. Then we go and make Jesus known to the world through evangelism and missions. There's purposeful order to our vision because we see this in the word. Now, let's dive into it now because we've understood, okay, we need to do this, what we're doing right now before we can go there. So we understand that, but, but we can't just do this. We have to go there. We have to go into the world. Now, Concerning evangelism, and and let me establish real first what the word evangelism even means. It comes from the Greek word meaning good news. And the good news is the message of Jesus dying on a cross for sinners and being raised from the dead for eternal life. And we obviously want people to come to know Jesus in our Sunday morning gatherings. We want to be a church that is evangelistic, don't we? We want people to come in here and As we preach the message of Jesus, we believe that people will come to know him here in the midst of our gatherings. We'll give special focus and attention in our sermons to declare the gospel and then to give opportunities for people to be saved. In fact, we're starting our next series next Sunday through the book of 1 John. 
And as we go through 1 John, we're going to give an opportunity every week for 14 weeks for people to receive Jesus. Amen? Every week, we've determined. So bring friends that you believe need to hear the message of Jesus. However, that is not the main purpose of our Sunday gatherings. And hear me out about this. The Sunday gathering is primarily for believers in Christ. It is primarily for the disciples, for those already following Jesus. Sundays are for us as God's people to gather for teaching, preaching, worship, prayer, community, and discipleship, and all of that spiritual practice that will happen in and among God's people will equip us to go and do that spiritual practice of making Jesus known to the world through evangelism and missions. The whole world does not come to church, but the whole church can go to the whole world. Amen? We are called to go Remember how we ended the Gospel of Mark with the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 says that Jesus said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the Gospel to the whole creation. And, and this was said to the disciples after three years of intensive ministry training, and then he sent them. And, and he, he said, you need to wait, by the way, to receive power from the Holy Spirit before you even get started with the Great Commission. So intensive training gathering with Jesus. Obviously, they did ministry with him during the time he walked on the earth for three years, but really the Great Commission was once he had gone and once he had empowered them after they had been equipped. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, you know that the Great Commission is also in there, and it's spoken like this, that Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Mark 16 and Matthew 28 are what has been called the Great Commission. It's not called the Great Suggestion. And let's not commit the sin of omission by not playing our part as disciples of Jesus in it. You know, we're not those special people <laughs> that this does not apply to. Jesus said to all believers to go that they might reach all the world. And listen, evangelism can take on many different forms. We know that it can happen in the midst of church, like these Sunday gatherings as unbelievers are coming in and, and hearing the message of Christ. Evangelism can happen in large-scale outreaches, like um, a, a ministry that has been happening now for over 30 years. A Calvary Chapel pastor named Greg Laurie started a crusade called Harvest. And in fact, tonight at Angel Stadium is another harvest crusade where thousands of people will gather and thousands of people will hear the message of Jesus and they will be saved. And, and for many years, I would take youth down to the harvest crusade and we would serve uh, in that ministry. And before we'd go, we, we'd just go hang out at Huntington Beach and we'd go do street evangelism. And every single year, youth had opportunities to lead people to Christ right there on the beach in Huntington Beach. 
and, and we've seen people just come to the Lord. So you can see how evangelism can happen in all kinds of ways. It can happen in churches. It can happen in crusades. It can happen in street evangelism. But can I tell you the primary way that evangelism is going to happen? It's when Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, spirit-filled Christians are living in their community with the people that are family and friends, the people that they work with, and they open their mouth boldly to speak the good news of Jesus. And when people hear, they might have the opportunity to turn from their sins and to turn toward Jesus. It's when the church goes out into the world. Let's keep it that simple. You know, Jesus said that we're to be fishers of men, so I don't really care how evangelism happens, whether in churches or crusades or street or just in your workplace or in your home, because there's many different types of fishing. There's net fishing, there's line fishing, there's fly fishing, there's spear fishing. There's all types of fishing. Let's just go fish. Let's just go reach people. Gone fishing. And if you're engaged in the work, then you will show and tell. And you can all do that, right? You learn that in elementary school. My kids are learning that right now. Show and tell. You bring something, you show it, and you tell what it's about. And that's what it is with our lives, with the demonstration of our life being lived out with God, and then by boldly opening up our mouth to speak as we ought to, we make known the mysteries of Christ, and people receive the message and are saved. And that is the way. And this is the way that Jesus said to do it. He sent them out two by twos in order to go and to proclaim this message. And if you think about it, evangelism is exponential. If all of us are doing it, it's exponential. Think about it. If one day two people go out and tell two people, that's four. The next day, if each of them go tell two more people, that's eight. And if each day all these people kept telling two more people, it grows exponentially. You have 16 and then 32 people believe in Jesus, and then 64, and then 128, and 256, and then 512, and then 1,024. And if every single day those people kept telling just two people about Jesus every day, do you know how many days it would take to reach the Palos Verdes Peninsula of 65,000 people with the message of Jesus? I'm not talking about whether people come to salvation, but just that they've heard. 65,000 people, if two people every day told two people, how many days would it take? 16 days. 16 days. And I sometimes struggle with that math because it doesn't really match reality. And in fact, I almost took that part out of my message because it just seems unrealistic to expect everybody to tell two people every day. If it was that easy, this hill would be reached for Christ in 16 days. See, but rather than saying it's not going to happen, it's unrealistic, I don't see people really doing that. Instead, I look to Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38 says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what the world is. 
Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You know, what I'm going to do, rather than, you know, beat you over the head and say, go preach the gospel. (laughs) I'm going to pray to the Lord of the harvest. I want you to pray to the Lord of the harvest. The fields are white unto harvest, meaning people are just waiting to hear. People are longing to be saved. So pray to the Lord of harvest because there's only a few laborers. And if Jesus would get a hold of our hearts, he would send out more laborers into the harvest. If Jesus would revive his church as we prayed and as we sang in that song, do you know what's going to happen? People are going to be reached. And, um, you know, remember when, um, (laughs) well, let's talk about revival for one second here because a lot of times people have a misunderstanding of what revival is. There's a misconception that revival is just mass evangelism, but that's simply the byproduct of revival. Revival is when God's people, the church, is revived in the areas of what it means to be the church. When we get down the teaching and the preaching and the worship and the prayer and the community and the discipleship and we're thriving in that because the spirit of God is moving among God's people, the byproduct of that is evangelism and missions. And what happens is when the church is awakened and renewed, the world is reached in mass evangelism. And so let's pray that our hearts would get engaged, that our hands would get on the work, and that we would labor for Jesus. And guys, we're not called to do this alone. We're not called to do this solo. We are meant to get fired up together about this and to do ministry together as friends because doing ministry with friends is way more fun and way more fruitful. So get connected, have lunch, and meet people and talk about your world and how you can effectively reach your friends and your family and your neighbors with the gospel. And I fully understand what holds people back from this. I understand the apprehensions because I myself experienced them too. You remember when we ended the Gospel of Mark, how I gave that inner monologue of, oh, Daniel, why don't you just preach the gospel? You're good at it. I'm not so good at it. I don't know. I know I should be doing it. And I do it a little bit here and there, but not as much as I should or as much as I would want to. Why do you got to keep bringing up this thing about evangelism? You're going to make me feel convicted again. Again. But guess what? Revival starts with conviction. Until the church is convicted to go and to reach people with the best news ever that we know will save people from death, then we will see the fruit that will come. So I think you get the message, and I pray that you would be encouraged by it. And, you know, I want to encourage you because a lot of times people don't think about how, how much influence you actually really have. Let me tell you a quick little thing that happened. We used to go, like I said, to the Harvest Crusade in Anaheim. And I'd take a group of some students with me. And as a way to kind of 
you know, we'd be out there doing street evangelism, and they're so excited because they got to lead somebody to Christ. And then they see Greg Laurie just preaching to thousands of people, and they think, I'm never going to be like that guy. And maybe you won't, because some people are more gifted toward evangelism. I understand that evangelism can be a gifting, and some people may be more effective in it. See, some people might be generous, but we're all called to give. Some people might have the gift of serving, but all Christians are called to serve. You get the point, right? We are all called toward evangelism, while others may be more effective or more influential, but don't downplay your influence in this world. And what I would do is I'd say, you want to see how much influence you really have? They're like, what do you mean? Watch this. And with our little group of students, we would start the wave. You ever done the wave in a stadium where you throw your hands up? And at first, you just look stupid. Woo! And you're like, um, every, no one, everyone's like, what's that guy being? Woo! You know? And, and then a couple people do it. The people around, woo! And, and your influence begins to spread, and you get maybe, you know, 20 people with you, and then maybe 50 people with you, and then maybe 100 people. Woo! And you're going. You're just throwing up the wave, and you're like, come on, let's go. You're, you're getting more excited as it's growing. And then all of a sudden, Across the whole stadium, you watch the wave go from one end to the other and back and forth, and every single person in their seat is going, woo! Why? Because a few people had the boldness to use their influence and look at what it started. You have great influence because all authority of Jesus has been given to you and you've been commissioned with the gospel, friends. And together, Calvary Chapel Palace Birdies, this group right here on this peninsula, let's be, woo! And others will see, and others will know there's life in that place. There's no fear of death in that place. There's encouragement, and something different is there. Because God's people are alive, and what's that going to attract? More people coming to Jesus. Evangelism and missions. Evangelism is the message that we bring. Missions is, yeah, come on! That's it. I love that. I love that. That's what we're about. Come on. So good. All right. Wow, missions. Missions is simply the vehicle. Can I tell you just something amazing? I used to go on mission trips every summer with students across and just the faithfulness of Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara to send. There's nothing that Calvary Chapel hasn't done when it comes to mission. Endless numbers of missionaries, church plants, they are ascending church and we just want to be just, we want to be just as fruitful and faithful in, in what we've seen Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara do. Um, the gospel has gone from their Jerusalem to their Judea to their Samaria to the ends of the earth back a couple times because of the faithfulness and the fruitfulness of those people even to send us to plant this church. And I used to fly out of LAX on these missions trips and I used to sit and look out the window and for years I would look down on this peninsula and I knew there wasn't a Calvary Chapel here. And I always kind of wondered in my heart, I wonder if there's going to be a Calvary Chapel there one day. I wonder if I would start that Calvary Chapel. 
And for years, I would view Palos Verdes Peninsula as something of a launching pad that would send out church plants and missionaries, short-term and long-term teams, uh, whole groups of people to reach their community and to reach the nations. And that's what missions is about. It's being strategic and purposeful about how God is going to use us to reach our world. You know, in Acts chapter 13, as the church in Antioch was doing what they're supposed to be doing, they were teaching and preaching, worshiping and praying, having community and discipleship, and they were thriving in that at the church at Antioch. In fact, it was in Antioch that Christians were first called Christians. But then there came a moment as they were ministering to the Lord, as they were praying and fasting, that the Holy Spirit spoke to the church and said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work to which I have called them. I was like, wait, you can't set Barnabas. He's the son of encouragement. Who's going to give me hugs? You can't send Paul. He's our our teacher. You can't send him. And and they took the, the men of God that were most effectively trained up and just on fire for Jesus, and the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me these men for the work to which I've called them. And in obedience, that church laid hands on Paul and Barnabas and sent them out into the first missionary journey. You want to know where they went first? Barnabas' hometown. And you know, Calvary Chapel, Santa Barbara, that's what they did in May of 2020. They laid their hands on me and Leah. And they sent us out for the work to which the Holy Spirit was calling us to do. And I, where was I going to go? just came to my hometown. The place I was born, the place I lived for the first 12 years of my life without knowing Jesus. I went away and I discovered the gospel of Jesus Christ that transformed my life. And I said, this region needs more Jesus-loving, Bible-teaching, spirit-filled churches. I'm going to go start one and we're going to see what God's going to do. Amen. And that's what we did a year ago. And that's what we're going to keep doing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for the work to which you have called us to together. Thank you that this morning we got to hear from your word through teaching and preaching. We got to worship you. We get to pray. We get to have community with the breaking of delicious tacos after this. And we get to, as the church, go from here and to reach our world in these wonderful concentric circles that will spread out even out unto the nations to people who have never heard the good name of Jesus. Use this church in powerful and mighty ways for generations to come because that's how you love to get glory. Through the church in Christ Jesus and all glory be to you. Amen. Amen.